Welcome, children and non-children. <laughs> it's Patricia, your host. You know, it's kind of toasty in here. So get ready, because today I will be talking about the French Revolution. Get it? Because it's like French toast and that's type of bread. Okay. <clears throat> so uh, today I won't be alone for this special podcast. I got some guests with me. So go on and introduce yourselves, you guys. I'm Emma. And I'm Kayla. So if you think back in time, the French Revolution was kind of messy, don't you guys think? Especially the Napoleonic phase. Yeah, I mean, the Thermidorians formed the Directory in 1795. That's their fourth attempt of government, and people still didn't like it. Can you believe it? I mean, they had a right not to like it, though. A big grievance for France was that the Directory was so weak, they couldn't even govern properly. The radicals and royalists were constantly fighting. They wanted to try and bring stability to France, but then it just turned into a dictatorship. They just didn't know how to deal with any of the problems. It's no wonder that Napoleon and the people hated it. Yeah, the people are suffering from having no rights, looking at the military for help. And the Directory really just used the military to put down any of the uprisings. Napoleon must have hated the Directory, since they kept using him to keep the people at some temporary peace by force. I mean, if the Directory kept using me, I would hate it too. It's no brainer Napoleon didn't like it. Not only that, it's not easy for the people either. Anything they wanted would be overruled by the Directory. Like, uh, the results of election. Yeah, and it's not like it was easy for the Directory. France was so poor, and thanks to Robespierre and his guillotine, so many people died. How were they supposed to save an entire country when it's in crisis? At least the people finally started having the courage to speak up for themselves. I don't think any of this would have happened had there not been any outside influences pushing this revolution forward. Definitely. The Enlightenment was a big influence for this revolution. The philosophy of getting life, liberty, and property. The ideas that Rousseau brought really helped push this revolution forward. It connects to the other revolutions, like the Haitian Revolution that follows it. Napoleon had caused such a ruckus in Europe with all the wars, and it really set the stage for the other revolutions. Even in a crisis, there's always hope. We're a dream to get in a better situation than before, don't you guys think? Hopes and dreams? Wish I could say I had some. Anyways, the hopes and dreams of the French Revolution was to stabilize the government and the economy of France. You know, protect the country from invaders, and mostly for France was to get out of debt. I wish I could get out of my debt. Kayla, you don't even have debt! <clears throat> uh, so, uh, the people... The people had hoped to form a government that truly listened to them and fulfilled their needs. Hmm, the people really just wanted to have a say in their government. Yeah, here, I have a primary source on the Stamp Act, and it talks about how they were heavily taxed and the Third Estate did practically everything they could to stop it from happening. See, look right here. Emma, read it out loud, would you? It says, our petitions have been disregarded and remonstrances have produced additional violence and insult, later on being infiltrated by Parliament, allowing this act to even happen. It says, give me liberty or give me death. See, with all the taxes they were given, a revolution could turn tables and give the people a shot at justice and rights. Like in a French revolution, it would be a great opportunity to fight for your rights, making your points loud and clear. How they wanted no taxes, France just wants a constitutional monarchy. Now, a quick ad from our sponsor, Flex Tape. Is your marriage falling apart? Boom, Flex Tape. Is your heart broken in two? Boom, 
flex tape. France can't get this country together and it's crumbling into pieces. Boom, flex tape. Flex tape has magic. Cure to all broken things and the perfect gift for Christmas. Only $49.99 each sold separately. Call 1-800-580-2300. Wrong number. And back to our usual programming. And we're back with a special guest, Napoleon Bonaparte. Wow, what a throwback to Napoleon. Tell us about yourself. What part of the revolution were you involved in? Well, I was born on August 15, 1769 in a J-show. I loved reading and was fortunate enough to get myself a military scholarship. I took part in the French Revolution, a lot in the Napoleonic phase. If you couldn't tell, since it is named after me. Anyway, I came from a poor family in Corsica, but now I have a family of my own. I love my wife Mary Louise too. I'm also a French military leader and emperor of France from 1804 to 1814, so I'm a pretty big deal. I rose quickly through the military ranks and uh, I got a lot of power. I created lots of treaties and won tons of wars because I'm simply the best. Well, Napoleon, how does it feel to be a dictator? I wouldn't say I'm a dictator. More of an incredibly strong leader that does what they want and the people don't really get a say, like, um, oh, this one time. Okay, moving on. Thank you, Emma. Also, don't you guys think it's weird how we know his feature and he doesn't know what's gonna hit him? Shh, we don't want any fourth wall breaks. Right. So you guys, well, our audience, probably don't know that there were multiple points of views in the revolution. Okay, so like Patricia said over here, there are different sides to the revolution, such as Napoleon versus the directory, which then turns into Napoleon versus the people. Starting off with Napoleon versus the Directory, from the start there was conflict. Napoleon didn't like the Directory because they took away everyone's independence and made it feel like a dictatorship. The Directory caused everyone to turn on them, causing it to slowly fail. Napoleon the People, or the other point of view of the revolution, is about how people thought about Napoleon. They didn't really like him because he limited their power and a lot of women's rights were taken away. Adding on to that, men had a lot more rights and stuff. Men could own property and go to school, but women could not. So what really went down during the Napoleonic phase? Do any of you guys remember? Well, a lot of things happened, like the battles. Napoleon winning the Battle of Austerlitz and signing a treaty with Australia. Or the Battle of Trafalgar, where he stormed Russia and lost the fight along with many men. Or him losing another one, like the Battle of Leipzig. There's Waterloo, too, where you know Napoleon eventually got exiled, too. Don't forget about the Napoleonic Code. He had created it where it limited the people's rights, which is what they were avoiding the entire time. You know, it was to standardize laws of citizenship, family, and property. Can we all come to an agreement? that those are both very important and valid events. But come on, when Napoleon became emperor, that's the big game changer. No? Oh, I remember. There was the coup of 18. Napoleon became the first consul, but before that, he had a coup d'etat to control. And then, yeah, he did turn into a French consul. I totally agree. Back to what Kayla said earlier about King Louis being crowned, it was after Napoleon abdicated from his throne under the peace treaty of Fontainebleau, getting exiled twice, ending at Waterloo, and not daring to try a third time. I mean, that isn't even all of it. Once he declared himself as emperor, 
that's when the Napoleonic War started, which led to all of those events. He created schools, but only to have more intelligent and disciplined officers for his armies. So what have we learned here? What's the takeaway from this podcast? Well, we learned that after Napoleon got kicked out, for sure, Louis XVIII was crowned and took over France. So no longer be under Napoleon's rule. And 1806 marks the time of the end of the Holy Roman Empire. After the revolution, social structures completely changed. A result of his rule was also the lycées. Mm-hmm. The sponsorship of lycée created schools, but only to have more intelligent and disciplined officers for his armies. With lycées, it encouraged education among the people, which led to things like the metric system and eventually bringing the time back to normal. Don't forget, the Concordat of 1801 had happened, so now he had mended a force with the Catholic Church as a supporter of him. That was an outcome of Napoleon's rule as well. So, if there's a takeaway as to how all this ended, it was that Napoleon was sent to Elba. Then, came back with some supporters, and fought Waterloo. With the loss at Waterloo, he had been exiled to an island called St. Helena. And alas, that's where he died. And that's how our phase ended. Good job, guys. That was a fun podcast. I totally agree. So, thank you for coming to our podcast, and make sure you tune in for next week's Jolly Podcast with Patricia, Emma, and Kayla.